Amen. The goodness of God. You know, the last song that we sang as a congregation, I was just listening to that and trying not to listen to myself sing. <laughs> but the last part of there says, there is strength in the name of the Lord. Think about that. There is power in the name of the Lord. You need power to live a Christian life? It's in the name of the Lord. There is hope in the name of the Lord. You need hope today? Struggling today a little bit? Life's got you down a little bit? There is hope in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, there's so much truth many times that we can just get from the songs that we sing. And, and, I, and, I, and I hope and pray that as, as the words are put up there that you're singing these words, but you're also seeing the words and, and digesting the words, if you would. Because there's a lot of, lot of truth in, in some of those old hymns. There's a lot of truth in some of the, the newer songs that we sing. And it is a time to give glory and honor to the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Brian, you want to open us up with prayer, please, buddy. Lord, we want to take hold of you, Lord Jesus. Yes. Well, we finished our series on Jesus, my choice, and I, and I hope you enjoyed that series. I hope it spoke to you. Uh, I hope you understand that as, as people, uh, we all have a choice to make, and whether or not we will choose Jesus as Lord and Savior or we choose not to. I mean, that's, that's the, the choice that we have. So I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope it spoke to you, uh, because if you get right down to it, that is the most important decision that anybody will ever make in their lives, is it not? Am I going to choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, spend eternity with Him, or, or not, and reject Him, and, and, and be separated from Him for, for eternity? So the, the series is over, but, uh, but I hope the series is really not over. Because the, the, the plan is that every message that comes from this pulpit up here has that same underlying theme about it. That Jesus is the choice that we all have to make. No matter what we preach, no matter what subject we talk about, the bottom line is Jesus is a choice that we all make, whether to choose him or to not. That's what we're going to be looking at. All right, I, I was going to tell you that, that I'm fixing to preach the greatest message that I've ever preached. I was fixing to tell you that, but I decided not to. Okay, I decided not to, not to let you know that this is the greatest one I've ever preached because most of you would go, Don, I've heard you, and it's not going to, I know it's not going to be that way. But then I know there's a few folks back there and some little ladies back there would say, yeah, oh, Don, you do that every Sunday. You just do that every Sunday. So I decided not to tell you that, okay? I'm not going to tell you that. That's not how we're going to start off, that I'm going to preach the greatest message in the history of messages. But I am going to tell you that we're going to look at, okay, the greatest message that's ever been preached. 
by the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher, the greatest physician, the greatest forgiver, the greatest lover in the history of all mankind. So we're going to look at, for a while, we're going to look at what's known as the Sermon of the Mount, okay, which is Jesus teaching his disciples about life. So Matthew 5, if you would turn there, is, is where we're going to be looking at today. If I was to ask you, and I'm not going to, but if I was to ask you a show of hands of, of every person in here who believes that they have been born again, that they are a disciple of Christ, if I was to ask you to show your hands, uh, I would imagine that every person in this room would probably do that. And, and I would say, praise the God for that. Praise the Lord. Man, that is, that is a great thing. And as we begin to look at the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and, and verses at least 1 through 12, uh, in this teaching of, by Jesus from chapters 5, 6, and 7, in this teaching, He is giving us a description of a true disciple. He's giving us some examples of what a true disciple will look like. And he's also given us a, an, a glimpse of this glorious hope of what it means to be a Christian. He's going to give us a, a, a picture of the reward, if you would, of being a born-again Christian. So we're going to, today we're going to look at some of this. And, uh, uh, and hopefully that you will examine yourself and you'll think about it and see what it says. Because as he's teaching this, he is saying this is... This is a snapshot, this is a picture of how one of my children will act, how one of my followers will act, one of my disciples. This is, this is a picture of this, and he's telling disciples this is what, what you're going to look like. So, for all of us in here who have been born again, we will begin to have these kind of qualities from our life, okay? So, that's where we're going to go uh, for the next uh, couple, of, couple of Sundays, okay? We read in verse... 1 and 2 of chapter 5 is where we'll begin. And it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Okay? When we look at it and we see when Jesus saw the crowds, and you can look at all through the New Testament, when Jesus saw the crowd, the Bible says he felt compassion for the people. He felt compassion for the people as he saw the crowd, as he saw the people, and he saw their lives, and he saw the need that they had in their life. And he looks down and he sees this massive amount of folks. And, and I, in this example and so many other ones, he had compassion for them. You, you read in, in, in Matthew 23 about, about Jesus as he was uh, entering Jerusalem, and he's on his high hill, and he looks down and sees Jerusalem there. And, he's, and in his mind, he sees all these, these people in Jerusalem. And he said, oh, I wish I could be like a, a mother hen and just wrap my arms around these people because I see their hurt and their pain and their grief and their sin, and I just would like to just wrap them up like a mother hen. And then he says, but, but I can't because you were so unwilling to let me do that. He had compassion on them. Even though they had turned from him, he still loved them. We read in, in, in John there about uh, when Jesus comes to see Martha and Mary and, and their, their brother has just died, Lazarus. 
and, and Jesus shows up, and you know the story that, that he gets there, and, and, he's, and, and they think he's four days late, but Jesus is always right on time. We all know that, but they thought he was late. And the Bible says that when he came across and he saw the people grieving and the people crying and just, and just feeling so bad over the loss of this loved one, the Bible says he had such compassion for them. And he said he began to grieve for them. And we know, and we know what happened. We know that the, the longest uh, verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. And why would he weep? Because he had compassion for the people. So every time he saw somebody... He would have compassion for them. And I can tell you right now, even as he sits at the right hand of the Father, he has compassion for you and I. Even if you have rejected him in your life, he still loves you. He has compassion for you. And I even believe, we talked about this Wednesday night, that he still grieves for those who are grieving. He grieves for his children who are going through hard times. And he grieves for the lost and wants them to come back. That's the Savior that we, that we worship today, guys, is a, is a Savior that when he sees the multitudes, he sees the people, he sees you and your struggles. He grieves for you. Then the Bible goes on to say after he saw the crowd and had his compassion, he goes up on the side of the mountain and the disciples come up there with him. For years and years and years, I thought that he was teaching in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, I thought he was teaching the multitudes. But that's not the case. He wasn't teaching the multitudes. He was teaching the disciples because he was fixing to, in just a little while, to do what? He was going to send those disciples out to teach the multitude. You see, Jesus was not able to, if you would, not to be able to get to all the masses of people that needed to hear this sermon. He wasn't able to do that. So what he's going to do, he's going to tell, tell his disciples, disciples, here is what a true blue born-again Christian will look like. Here's when you, when you start teaching about, about me. This is what a person will have. These are the qualities that that person will have. This is what they look like. So if Jesus is telling the disciples to one day go out and preach this message, if you would, and, 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 and give the word to those folks, I think he's also telling us. This is a picture of a born-again believer. So let's look at that and see what we have to say. And we're going to start in verse 3, and we, we probably won't get past verse 3 today. We'll see how time goes. But verse 3 says, Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wonder what that word blessed right there or blessed means. Blessed could mean a whole bunch of things. Matter of fact, we, saw, we sang a couple of songs about being blessed, did we not? And, and there's so many things that that word blessed can mean, and they're probably all right. I mean, I don't know how many times I, I would tell somebody that, you know, have a blessed day. I mean, that's, that's okay, you know. Or Rhonda sneezes, and, and it's like, God bless you, honey. Come on. You know, uh, that, that happens all the time. You know, blessed means good fortune, if you would. I mean, we know that. Blessed, blessed means happy. It can mean happy. And when I thought of that, I thought of Psalms 1 1, where, where, where in Psalms it's talking about somebody that's happy. And, and, and in Psalms 1, it, it says, Blessed or happy is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but he meditates day and night. On the Lord. 
Blessed in that example says you are happy because you don't run to sin. You run away from sin and you are spending time in God's word because that's what you want to do. That, I can promise you, will make you happy. It is also meaning the favor of God. If you, if you remember uh, Mother Mary, I mean the mother of Jesus, she was favored by God, was she not? Because she was kind of handpicked for this job. And the Bible says she was blessed because of it. And then, of course, so many people today, you know, they think we're blessed because we have so much in our possessions, so much material things. And, and we, look for, we look for blessings in, in, in what we have. But I don't think that's what any of that means in this few verses here. In, in, in verses 11 through 12, I mean, through 3 through, three through 12, blessed does not mean that. Blessed means that it is an inner quality that every Christian has. That, that it is a spiritual joy and an appreciation and a, and a satisfaction knowing that no matter what happens in a person's life, no matter what circumstances a person comes through, whether or not it is pain, it is suffering, suffering it is a trial, whatever we are going through, we can still have that spiritual joy and a satisfaction of knowing that God has what we are going through, has in the palm of his hand. That's that joy that we can't even speak about. That's that joy that we don't understand, that when life throws us lemons, we're able to make lemonade because he is, has us in the palm of his hand. That is blessed. And that is what he's talking about here when he talks about blessed. No matter what's happening in your life, you can have, have that spiritual joy. And if you just look at that just real quickly, if you just look at that list, that list is not an easy thing to, to get through, if you would, okay? If you just look at that list in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, we're going to look at it today, but that doesn't sound like much fun. It says, Blessed are those who mourn. Oh boy, who wants, to, who wants to mourn all the time? It says, blessed are the meek or the gentle when, when people don't want you to be gentle and meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I, I don't, don't want to sign up for that one. Blessed are the merciful and, and those that turn the other cheek, if you would. That's not what the world says is, would be blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart, those people that stand strong for the Lord. Nah, I don't know about that one. That, that's kind of a hard one to do. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, nobody wants to be a peacemaker. We all want to cause problems. But he says, blessed are the, These are very difficult things. These are very challenges. Verse 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, I don't know if I really want to get in that part of the game, too. And in verse 11, we see those who have falsely accused us, have something bad to say about us, that lie about us, that mock us, those kind of things. And Jesus is saying, disciples, this is what we will go through. How can, we, how can you and I do that? How can we have this, this, this uh, poor in spirit and this idea of mourning? I mean, that doesn't sound like any fun. That, that a Christian life would be kind of boring if that's the way it is. But it says, no, that is not the case. Because, you see, when we experience things in life, guess who is with us? Guess who is strengthening us? Guess who is empowering us? Guess who's giving us the hope <laughs> It is that one, blessed, who comes in the name of the Lord, and that is Jesus, who will empower us to live that, to have those qualities. No matter what happens, we can have that, that, that steady flow of joy in our life, even though life is 
so difficult. How do we can we be blessed and have that joy because of Jesus Christ in our life? So many times people today, though, they, they want to be blessed uh, with material things, don't they? I mean, if you look around today, uh, you know, you say, man, God, God's really blessed him. You know, he's got, a, he's got great possessions, and he's got a place in society, and he's got, he's got all the money he wants, and, and people love him and like him. And, 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 and we, in our minds, we think, man, that guy, God's really blessed him. You know, hey, God's really just blessed him. But you see, the kind of blessings that we're talking about is not, not material blessings. It's spiritual blessings. You see, material blessings are here today and gone tomorrow. Material blessings rot and they rust and they decay and they end up disappearing on us. Material possessions, we can't take those with us, can we? <laughs> you know, they might be nice to now, but do they really bring happiness? Do they really bring satisfaction to a person's life? Oh, maybe for a little while. But then, no. Then, no. He's talking about spiritual blessings and not material blessings. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it says this. Do not store up, your, store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor can be destroyed and where the thieves do not break in and steal. How do we... How do we store up treasures in heaven? How do we get away from the idea of material possessions as a treasure, but we store up treasures in heaven? How do, how do we do that? Well, I think there's a lot of ways, but I just, as I was looking through this and thinking about this, I guess my mind just went back to last, last Sunday's message. How, how do we store up treasures? Well, I think the first thing that we do is we have a a awesome fear of the Lord. Remember we talked about that last week. A fear of the Lord where, where we have an absolutely an awesome reverence for holy God. And we understand that God is holy and just and righteous. And that he is, he is the one who is the giver of life to us. And, and we understand how much he hates sin. And because he hates sin, we don't want to displease him. Because we have this great reverence for him. And we become obedient in our lives and we walk the Christian life and we're obedient to him and we do what he tells us to do. We love and forgive and we just keep doing what he tells us because of this fear of the Lord, this awesome reverence that we have. And then we talked about last week that we serve the Lord. We take, the, we take our gifts and our abilities and our talents and what do we do? We use it for him. Okay, we use it for him. We, if we want to be blessed, if we want to have, have material, spiritual blessings, what do we do? We serve him. And we take what we've got and we take what he's given to us and we give it back to him. And it could be money, it could be time, it could be talent. But he says, I, I, I want you to serve me. I want you to be obedient to me. And then the third thing we talked about, I think that really fits in here about, about this is, is it said, put away all the gods of your forefathers. Okay, and all he was saying is what? Make me number one. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's saying. Make me number one. Get rid of anything in your life that is more important to you than me. I, I have to be number one in your life. And he says, get rid of all that. And, and, if, and if you can just do that, you'll be able to store up treasures in heaven because your, your motivation, your thought process, everything you're doing is all about him and not about you. Store up treasures in heaven 
if you just would. That is spiritual blessings. That is not material blessings. See, he's telling us there right there, if you want to be blessed, if you want to have that joy, if you want to have that satisfaction, you only get that through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We only get that because God is merciful, that he's made a way to, to bring you to him, if you would. It only, it only happens because with God being in your life in a relationship with him, that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens in my life, okay, Romans 8.28 says, it is for my good and for his glory. That's what being blessed is, knowing and having that joy and the satisfaction that whatever comes of my way, it is for my good and for his glory. And we allow him to work through that. So I think that is what blessed means. And he says in verse 3, he says, We are blessed are the poor in spirit. We are blessed and the poor in spirit. Well, who wants to do that? Who wants to be poor in spirit? Well, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we are required to live in poverty. <laughs> That's not what it means. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that we have to uh, go to bed hungry every night. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that we have to live in the slums of life. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean that we have to give up all of our worldly possessions to be the poor in spirit. No. It doesn't mean that we have to have a pity party every day. Poor, poor, pitiful me. <laughs> My life is so hard. That's not poor in the spirit. Does it mean that I have to be so depressed that I can play handball against the curb? No, that's not what that means. I just have to be a person has no confidence and I walk around with my eyes down all the time and never look up. That, could that be the poor in spirit? No. That's not what being poor in spirit means. Okay? And we want to think that sometimes, but that's not, that's not what it means. But it does mean this. It means that we are, as people, spiritually bankrupt in front of God. It means that we have nothing to give to Him. Not our goodness, not our good looks, not our great personality. We have nothing to give to Him because of our sin. It means that we are totally dependent upon God for what we have now and what we have for eternity. That's being poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit means without a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay, we have no hope for eternity. That's being poor in spirit. Okay, that is being spiritually bankrupt. God, I, can't, I have nothing that I can do here for you. And I depend upon you. And without you, I have no hope. It is, it is a person that understands Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a person who understands Romans 3.10. That there is none righteous. There is none who understand. There is none who seek after the Lord. You see, the biggest thing that keeps people from coming to the Lord, okay, the biggest thing is that point right there, that nobody wants to believe that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. Nobody wants to believe that, that all have sinned. Because, you see, most people say, I'm not a bad person. I'm a pretty good person. I've been taught that since, since a little bitty. That I am such a great, great person. And, and I don't do 
big things wrong. And because people do not grasp the concept that the things that I do that have come fallen short of the glory of God, the things that I do that, that God has said don't do and I choose to do, people don't want to grasp that. And they say, I don't need a Savior because I have not sinned. And the biggest thing we see is, is people that don't want to be the poor in spirit because they said, I, I, I don't want to acknowledge that I, I have a need. And we see people, we see generations, and we see folks that never make that decision because they never get over that one hump. And that hump is, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. That's a tough deal. You know, being poor in spirit also means that I'm going to live a, with a humble heart. I'm going to live with a, a humble, and I'm going to live with humility. I'm going to be a person that has no pride in my life because I draw my strength from holy God. I'm going to be a person who is, is humble in my attitude. It's going to be a person who, who loves others. It's going to be a person who says, I'm not any better than you. I'm not any better than you. Because we're all in the same boat, are we not? We're all a creation of God the Father. And we all are sinners and we all need a Savior. And I'm going to live in a humble way. And when I look at people, I'm not going to say I'm better than you. I've got a better position than you. My shirt's nicer than you. I'm going to look at them, at people and say, there's somebody that's a sinner that needs a Savior. You see, that's, that, that's living poor in spirit right there. Not thinking you're better, because, even if you've been born again. And we get that way sometimes. I've been born again. i got heaven. I'm good to go. Well, what, are you, what are you doing about that? Are you telling somebody else they need the same thing that you've got? So poor in spirit says, I'm not even better because we're all in the same boat. We all need a Savior because we're all sinners. Being poor in the Spirit says, I've turned away from pursuing all the worldly uh, possessions, all the worldly things that's supposed to give me life and bring me happiness, and I am pursuing the things of the Lord. That's, that's poor in spirit. I'm pursuing the things of the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. <laughs> okay, we talked about the other day. Don't get those backwards. Don't try to get everything and say, God bless this. No, we seek him first. That's being poor in spirit as we seek him first. Seek him first is so important. You see, being poor in spirit says, says I am so tired and I am so burdened for the lost. I am so burdened for the lost. And I am wearied for the lost. And, I, and, and this poor spirit, and I've got to keep praying, I've got to keep depending because I know, I know the outcome of those folks who are lost, who have never given their heart and life in Jesus. Because you see, I know what, what Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. I know that. And I'm burdened over the souls of other people. Matthew 28 tells us what, 19 and 20 says, go and make disciples. You see, a person who is poor in spirit says, I love you, I'm concerned about you, I am wearied over you, I am praying for you because I know you need a Savior. Because if you pass today, your eternity will not be pretty. 
and I have this poor spirit. I have this longing for you to know the Lord. I believe that is the poor in spirit. What is the reward for those of us who are the poor in spirit? It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom. What does that mean? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're, you're in poor in spirit, your reward is the kingdom of heaven. You know what that is? That is, right now, that is just your salvation. You can't have it. You, you are poor in spirit. You'll be rewarded with your salvation. What, is that, what does that mean? Well, if you've been saved and you have salvation, guess what? Your sins <laughs> have been forgiven. You understand that? Your sins have been forgiven. And, and Jesus is saying, that's a pretty good reward right there, boys and girls, that your sins are forgiven. Never to be held against you forever and forever. Realizing that, that salvation is a gift of God, that he's offered it to you, and you have accepted that. I don't know about you, but that's, that is, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That there is nothing that I can do to earn salvation. It's not about me. It's all about him. It is grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And not of my works, lest I should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Man, what a reward for being poor in spirit is you are forgiven forever and forever. The second reward, I think, for being poor in spirit is, is um, we receive a fellowship with other believers. Guess what? When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we become part of a huge family. Did you know that? We become part of the family of God. What a great thing that would be. Because in Ephesians 1, it tells us that as we become the family of God now and for eternity, that the Bible says we have been chosen, we have been blessed, we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven. We have been sealed and we have an inheritance in heaven. What a great promise. We become part of the family of God. For all of us that have been born again, we are part of one family, and that is family of God. What a great reward that is. You and the Apostle Paul are in the same family. <laughs> you and Peter are in the same family. Can you get that? Me and Billy Graham, we're in the same family, okay? Yeah, yeah, now we're talking. See what I'm saying? We're part of the same family because we have, we have one father and we have one son, and that's Jesus Christ. The third thing I want to see as, as our reward is the poor in spirit receive the gift of life now and for eternity. John 10.10, 10, part of John 10.10 10 says this, I came that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. Jesus said, I came that you'll have life and your life will be abundant. What's he talking about there? He's not talking about abundance of material things. He's talking abundance of spiritual things things in your life it is growing in the grace and knowledge of the lord which is abundant life did you know that it's growing in the grace and the knowledge of jesus christ and it is learning about him it is maturing about him okay that's the abundant life the more we learn the more we mature in our faith abundant life but also the abundant life is and you might not believe this but it is also failing in your walk. It's also overcoming in your walk. That's all part of the picture. That's all part of the game 
of the abundant life. We learn and we mature and we follow and we do what he calls us to do. But there are sometimes we stub our toe and fall flat on our face, do we not? That's part of the abundant life. And when we do that, we confess and we overcome that through the strength that he gives to us. And we have this abundant life. The good and the bad believer, we still have an abundant life because he's promised that to us. The abundant life is, is, is those things that flow out of us because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Is an abundant life. Who wants a life of, of hatred and jealousy and envy and backbiting and all that? Kind? Nobody wants to live that way. That's not an abundant life. And Jesus said, abundant life? No, that's not it. It's, it's, it's the stuff that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And that is called the, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Would you not say that is part of an abundant life? If you have those qualities coming out of you? Yeah, I would. I would. And then I think the abundant life also is, is setting your mind and your heart on those things that are above and not on those things here, right here. That's the abundant life. Jesus said, I'm going to give you, I want to give you that abundant life. And that will be your reward, if you would, for being poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit, we acknowledge, we acknowledge that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. We acknowledge that there's nothing that you and I can do about that. Okay? That we have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And without the mercy of God, we have no hope. But you know, he's given us hope, has he not? He's saying if you want to be poor in spirit, your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. You are now part of a huge family that will live with me forever. And he said, you have eternal life that I give to you. You know, we came into the world with nothing. We will leave with nothing. Jesus said, this is a picture of my disciples, that you are poor in spirit. You understand that you have nothing to offer to holy God, but he has everything to offer to you. So my question is today for you, is are you poor in spirit? Are you poor in spirit? Do you understand that you have nothing unless God has given it to you? Are you poor in spirit? If you are, that's really a good thing because Jesus said that is a picture of one of my disciples. Jesus said to the disciples, go tell them what it means to be my disciple. And the first thing, first thing he said is be poor in spirit. Have a humble attitude. Have an attitude that says you're God and I am not. So I want to encourage you with that today. Because when we do that, it says we have a home in heaven. Our sins are forgiven. And we get to live with him forever and ever with a great, huge family. As we bow our heads for the invitation time. That is the question. Are you poor in spirit? I pray that if you are a child of the Lord, that you are. And if you're not, but you know you've been born again that confess that to him father i've i got pride in my life i think i can handle all this i'm good to go confess that let him clean that up let him be help you to be poor in the spirit
if you just would, <laughs> if that's what you want, and what glory God would receive because of that. As our invitation, time is now. Do business with the Lord, if you would. If you had never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you can come do that today. If you'd like to join our church, you can come do that today. The altars are open if you just want to pray. I ask you to do business with the Lord right now.